I think unlike Christmas, like Christmas is a spirit, right? Christmas is internal. Halloween's external. Like Halloween's all about showing costumes and being seen and sharing experiences. There's no real Christmas experience. Like you can you can be quiet and in your stillest moment feel the spirit of Christmas. You know what I mean? Just by the joy of like whatever it is that's propelling you to feel it, right? So Christmas is always an in, internal place. Halloween is super external. Christmas is the um, Christmas is the introvert. <laughs> Halloween is the extrovert. That is Matthew Curry Holmes, writer, director, actor, OG WTS explorer, and a good friend. Matthew loves Halloween and he loves scary movies. He's even got the IMDb resume to prove it. His directorial debut was the supernatural thriller The Curse of Buckout Road, which won Best Feature at the Blood in the Snow Film Festival, and his upcoming vampire film Self Storage won Best Screenplay at Creation International Film Festival. So yeah, Matthew loves scary movies, and he loves Halloween. And so I called Matthew as sort of a subject matter expert, because we found ourselves asking this question. If you take away trick-or-treating, like, what is Halloween? It's just hard to think about Halloween without immediately thinking about trick-or-treating. And there's, like, this life cycle of how we all experience Halloween throughout our lives. So, when you're young, you get dressed up, you go out trick-or-treating get candy, and then you get sick from eating all that candy. Then as you get older, but maybe you don't have kids yet, Halloween comes around and you think to yourself, do I need to get candy in case kids come by? And then when kids don't come by, you end up eating all of that candy anyway, and you get sick. Eventually, if you do have kids, you take them trick-or-treating, then eat all their candy, and you know where this is going. Ugh. I mean, when you put it that way, Nick, it sounds like Halloween is the equivalent of 12-year-olds mixing cha with a ride on the Trabant. Okay, so besides being a bit healthier and maybe a lot less smellier, the question remains, what is Halloween without trick-or-treating? And so I asked Matthew as well. The purpose of it is always community and based around like gatherings and celebration and just knowing that everyone has the same thing in common. Matthew's totally right. But considering the events of this year, we run the risk of missing out on this element of community that he's talking about. I noticed something while taking miles around the neighborhood a couple of years ago. Halloween is one of the few times during the year where we are reminded that we actually live somewhere, like in a physical place. Everybody's out, we see our neighbors, we comment on their costumes and decorations, we all walk the same streets at the same time. And look, I'm not trying to over-romanticize this, but it's important. We are embodied people who exist in time and place, and it's right here, and it's right now. And what better way to remind ourselves of that than to actually just walk out the door and say hi to our neighbors. It's important. Humans have been holding festivals for thousands of years, and their importance didn't just stop because we can now have Taco Bell delivered right to your front door. Uh, not that not that I would know. It's just just as an example. 
While uh, Nick makes a run for the border, I will share that Matthew did talk about trick-or-treating specifically, and he made this interesting, and I imagine to my nine-year-old son, controversial claim. The interesting thing about Halloween is like, the the trick-or-treating is the least important aspect of Halloween. You better bite your tongue. I know, but maybe Matthew is right. Certainly, I think this year, each of us need to get unstuck in our ideas that Halloween has to look a certain way and figure out how can we adapt to the environment we are in. Said another way, we need to think outside of the bun. Taco Bell is not affiliated with where they're smoking anyway, although for the right amount of Crunchwrap Supremes, it could be. Welcome to Where There's Smoke, the show where we explore self-development through the lens of current events, pop culture, and experience. This week, we are trying to get unstuck, recognizing that in 2020, many of our holiday celebrations, like Halloween, and frankly, much of our lives, don't look like they traditionally have. So how do we adapt? And perhaps there is a tool that can help us do that. My name is Brett Gaida. Boo. (laughs) I'm just kidding. It's me, Nick. Let's start the show. Now, this feeling of being stuck is not exclusive to Halloween, where 2020 is concerned. I don't know about you, Nick, but I've had several conversations. Oh, you still need me? What? Oh, oh no, no, sorry. We, um, we were just going back and forth during the cold open there. And I guess I thought it made sense to address you, but never mind. We're cool. Just um, come back after this next little bit. Oh, perfect. I actually just need a minute to finish this Crunchwrap Supreme. As I was saying, this feeling of being stuck is not exclusive to Halloween where 2020 is concerned. I've had several conversations over the past few months, including a few with some of you, our listeners, where people have expressed that they feel stuck in limbo, grounded through this pandemic. I think it's a pretty universal experience this year. I put feeling stuck pandemic into the Twitter search bar and got a slew of tweets. Now, I don't know any of these people, but these tweets are public domain, so let me share a few. At Mosh212, it was just one of those days Also, something to do with feeling stuck at the moment. No inspiration at all. Pandemic blues and just overall Murphy's Law. At Lindsay Does It, I could really use an adventure. I miss traveling. I miss parties. I miss friends. I miss free time. I miss dates. Just feeling that stuck in the pandemic for too long feeling today, I guess. At Camaria 7, so now I'm single during a pandemic and stuck in a city I don't want to be in, this is a true struggle, and I'm definitely feeling the effects of it. And at Cat Sketch, feeling extremely defeated this month. Nothing I do feels like it's good enough or that anyone cares. I think it's just being stuck inside during this pandemic is really getting to me, pushing forward. And those are just from the last few days. A lot of us are having moments of feeling stuck. And we persevere. Of course we do. As at Cat Sketch said, pushing forward. But some moments, it's, it's harder than others. And some weeks, months, it can feel like nothing we do works. 
Does anyone remember when you were in high school and kids would take any opportunity to make a t-shirt? It's the spring musical. Make a t-shirt. It's homecoming week. Make a t-shirt. It's nacho day in the cafeteria. Make a t-shirt. Well, I supported myself through college by working with high school bands all over Illinois, mostly with drumlines. And I have seen so many (laughs) t-shirts. But I remember one year that this drumline had a t-shirt with a very memorable phrase on it. And I think it might be relevant to our moment right now. Just two words. Maintain homeostasis. Now, in case you've forgotten high school biology, homeostasis is just anything that an organism does that will help it to maintain favorable conditions to survive. A Scientific American article says that, quote, the term was coined in 1930 by the physician Walter Cannon. It describes how the human body maintains steady levels of temperature and other vital conditions such as water, salt, sugar, protein, fat, calcium, and oxygen contents of the blood. So our bodies are very good at this. They make internal, minute adjustments to help keep us going, to help get us back to that optimal environment for life and health. And as the world throws so much at us, a pandemic, an election, financial uncertainty, we have to do what we can to maintain homeostasis. What are the small variables that we can control to ensure that we'll survive all of this? And I say survive intentionally. Ideally, yeah, we would be thriving right now. But it's okay to struggle. This is hard. So just focus on what you can control and then maintain homeostasis. So we have to adapt, find ways to keep moving forward. But for many of us, at many points, that can be filed under easier said than done. I'll just slip into something more frightening and I'll have that sugar bell in a jiffy. That's easier said than done. You haven't seen my outfit. Move it, losers! And so if we are feeling that way, like we want to move, we want to get unstuck, but it still feels daunting and like we don't know how, what can we do? Well, I'll suggest we need a tool. If you need to move a big rock you may use a lever. Got to hoist a piano up the side of a building? Try a pulley. And if you're stuck and need to manifest some new ideas, inspiration, innovation, or just something unexpected, well, there's a tool for that too. I'm going to talk to you about play. See, I know play is necessary. I know play is a ball. I know play is a movement. I know play is ingenuity. I know that play is timeless And play is genius. That is Kevin Carroll at TEDx Harlem in a talk entitled Play is Necessary. Kevin Carroll wrote an entire book on the impact of play in his life and how he now uses play to help organizations all around the world. Maybe some of you will remember that Kevin spoke to us way back in our 15th episode on Moments. Here is a portion of that conversation we did not previously air where Kevin is extolling the value of play as a mechanism for businesses. And play is serious in business, especially when we're challenging our teams and our, our, our staff and our divisions to come up with more innovation, better problem solving, the unexpected, 
A lot of that is rooted in our ability to be playful because when we were kids, we had an infinite amount of imagination. But as we get older, it atrophies, it gets weaker. And so I always say we need to reawaken the spirit of play in all of us and that's gonna open up that childlike wonder again. And I think that's a big thing that a lot of people lose is wonder. And wonder allows you to see new things, see the unexpected. And so we really talk about play in that context that if you want more innovation, more ingenuity, better problem solving, more abstract thinking, delivering the unexpected, you need to inject some play. In most cases, Kevin is not teaching adults how to play. He is reacquainting them with it. As for most of us, play is something we are very familiar with. As children, play is our go-to tool. For a while, it's our only go-to tool. And then we grow up and we get all these fancy grown-up tools. And perhaps we think they are way better, right? I mean, who needs a lever if you can move a rock with a front-end loader on a tractor? Who needs a pulley if you've got a helicopter? And who is going to play when there is serious business to attend to? That's one of the problems is that people will wait for that moment to start playing, but otherwise I need to be very serious. There's serious stuff going on. No one's denying the fact that there's serious things going on, but you're also being challenged to come up with solutions, to deal with adversity. How do you turn it into an opportunity and not an obstacle? I mean, these, this is life. And so much of what we were doing in our childhood, we were solving life problems. They just might not have been on such a grand or, or, or just, you know, maybe life-threatening or challenging level, but they were still important to you when you were three years old. Right? And so one of the things I think that we forgot about is just having that curiosity we lose that sense of curiosity. To be clear, it's not just in business that play can be a route to a solution and a mechanism for change. If you Google the phrase, cure anxiety, the number one result in the world is an article by Charlie Holm. Every moment was exhausting. I was tired and serious and afraid all the time. And I started having panic attacks. And if you've never had a panic attack, it feels like you're having a heart attack. And your brain is yelling at you and telling you you're going crazy, you're going to die. And it really feels like that. And it's scary. And that is Charlie Hone himself in a TEDx talk sharing his battle with anxiety and what helped him out of it. Charlie was stuck, and he couldn't get unstuck. So I spent the next year and a half trying everything that you think you're supposed to try to get out of anxiety and stress. I went to doctors. I exercised. I meditated. I did yoga. I did deep breathing exercises. I took supplements. I went to chiropractors, naturopaths, spiritual healers. I cleaned up my diet. I went on long runs. I prayed. I volunteered. I... I did a fast for nine days where I had nothing but water. I did psychedelic drugs, everything you can think of. And at the end of all of this experimentation, nothing worked. Things would work for a day or two, but then I would go right back into feeling miserable. But just when perhaps it felt hopeless for Charlie, a book on a friend's bookshelf caught his eye. 
Play by Stuart Brown. The full title of Dr. Stuart Brown's book is Play, How It Shapes the Brain, Opens the Imagination, and Invigorates the Soul. Similar to Kevin Carroll's feelings earlier in the show, the summary for play reads, As we become adults, taking time to play feels like a guilty pleasure, a distraction from real work and life. But as Dr. Brown illustrates, play is anything but trivial. Great Scott! Great Scott! It is a biological drive as integral to our health as sleep or nutrition. In fact, our ability to play throughout life is the single most important factor in determining our success and happiness. By the way, did you see, see what I did there? It's, his name is Dr. Brown, and then I played the, the great Scott quote, Doc Brown, Back to the Future. I, I only asked because Nick didn't get it when I did it, and I thought it was really funny. And anyways, I digress. Charlie goes on to share that he read the book in one sitting and something hit him like a ton of bricks. I had chronically deprived myself of play, not just the activity, but the state of mind. And so I started incorporating play back into my life. The next day, a guy emailed me, he said, do you want to go get coffee? I said, let's go play catch at the park. And when I came back from that catch meeting, I felt like a weight had dropped. Life and work felt a little bit easier. I was happier. I was less stressed. So I started adding more and more play into my life. And I'm telling you, within one month, I was back to normal. For the first time over the past few years, that I'd really struggled with anxiety. Now, that may seem simplistic to some. And I'm certainly not here to suggest that if everyone just played more, we could cure anxiety. But for Charlie, play was the key. It got him unstuck. And Charlie Hone isn't the first or last person to extol the benefits of play when it comes to creating positive change. Type the power of play or the value of play into your internet search bar and you could spend the next week watching videos and reading studies and essays that will all make the case for play. Though we'd encourage you to actually just play instead and prove it that way. Look, I know that we're all bummed that our traditions are going to be different this year. It's unlikely that, you know, U.S. Thanksgiving or Diwali, Hanukkah, or Christmas are going to have the same gatherings of people. Families won't be traveling. And that sucks. Halloween is a perfect opportunity for us to show ourselves that we can adjust. Halloween has always largely been about play. People have been getting together for thousands of years at at festivals, and at those festivals they dress up, they sing songs, they eat, they put on plays, they have competitions. There's something so human about our need to play as a way to both remember and cope. So this year isn't shaping up the way we wanted it. And next year, knock on wood, we'll get back to our regularly scheduled program for the holiday season. But the good news is that even if we change the look of Halloween this year, it doesn't mean that we are not celebrating it just because we're not trick-or-treating. Again, 
Halloween's always been about play. Use your imagination and remember that this isn't forever. One day in the future, we'll look back at this as just a story, something that happened to us and something that we worked through. First time I got punched in the face, I was like, oh no. But then I was like, this is a story. Exactly, Nick. I mean, one of the big traditions of Halloween is dressing up, becoming someone other than who you've always been. So just think of it like Halloween itself is putting on a costume this year. Traditional Halloween is dressing up as Halloween 2020. (laughs) So what does that costume look like for you? I'm planning on having my son trick-or-treat at every door in our house. The bedrooms, bathroom, my office, even the closets. If it's got a door, he's knocking on it. And I better be behind it with some candy. And it's not just about trick-or-treating, right? How else can you play in the spirit of Halloween? Redecorate your house so it is in costume. Bob for some apples. See if you can conjure some spirits through Zoom. Gather around a bonfire and tell some scary stories. Or turn off all the lights, light just a couple of candles, and watch a scary movie. Might we suggest perhaps The Curse of Buckout Road? Wink, wink. However you choose to play this Halloween, just let go and have fun. As Mallory Nizam says in her TEDx talk appropriately titled The Power of Play, See, the point of play is that there really is no point, and how liberating is that? In a world that's product-obsessed, that's end-oriented, to be in a moment and share an experience with the people around you is kind of a radical thing. You see, I have found through play that there is so much more love in this world than we realize, and there is far less fear. But people just get stuck. We get stuck in our routines. We get stuck in responsibility and our worries. And we need something to unstick us. And play has that effervescent, catalytic quality that can do that. It can do the unsticking. It can tear down those walls and those barriers that we've put up. And then carry that spirit of play from Halloween through the rest of your year and beyond. Maybe it is just what we all need right now. Not only is play fun and joyful, but it can also shake things up, help us get unstuck, and set us free. First off, I want to give another round of thanks to Kevin Carroll for speaking to us way back when he did. Clearly, his words are the gift that keep on giving, and it was great to be able to share even more of them in this episode. To find out more about Kevin and see here more of his work, go to kccatalyst.com. That is catalyst with a K. So it is kccatalyst.com, kccatalyst.com. 
That's Catalyst with a K. I'll also highly recommend Kevin's first book, Rules of the Red Rubber Ball, which Newsweek called an adult's version of Dr. Seuss's Oh, the Places You'll Go, a pocket-sized guide to finding your way in life. Okay, some shout-outs. Thank you to everyone who has reached out to us about our Pass the Mic opportunity and the chance to collaborate with us on a Where They Smoke episode. Actually, co-write, write, co-host. We still want to hear from you, especially if you live outside of North America. Email us at connect at wherethersmoke.co. Shout-outs to at the Paul O'Malley for giving our sincerity replay some love on Instagram and Twitter, and at Aya Ketchum for sharing our last episode with her mom. If you love your mom and are blessed enough to still have her around, share an episode of Where There's Smoke with your mom. You can find and follow Where There's Smoke on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are at ExploreWTS on all three platforms. And you can find our website with complete show notes that include links to videos, articles, and books referenced in every show at wheretherismoke.co. Our theme song was written and recorded by Des McKinney and remixed by Nick. And additional music in this episode is by... This week we've got music from Blue Dot Sessions and... Kevin McLeod. Where There's Smoke is a playful, amusing, frisky, frolicking, fun, delightful, lively, entertaining, and interesting dalliance, written, recorded, edited, and produced by Brett Gaida and Nick Jaworski. And finally, this is our last episode before the presidential election in the United States, and we want to remind you to vote, vote, vote. But also, make sure you heed the words of one Linus Van Pelt. There are three things they have learned never to discuss with people. Religion, politics, and the great pumpkin. Thanks for listening. We love you. We'll see you next time.